Welcome. Good morning. Welcome to Marcus and Corey's living room once again, and welcome to Monday morning, and it's Holy Week. Praise God for what we're going to experience this week as we set our hearts and minds upon the Lord Jesus. Well, this is Monday, March 29th, the Monday of Holy Week, and what I've decided to do this week instead of <clears throat> continuing with my uh, wisdom series. I'll pick that up again later, but I'm going to take a break. And this week, we're going to talk about the days of Holy Week. And so I'm calling it Holy Week Happenings. And today is Monday, and we're talking about Jesus as the temple cleanser, because he cleansed the temple on Monday. And so I want everyone to turn to Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11. And by the way, as you're turning there, I do want to just thank everyone for helping to make yesterday's church service, the Palm Sunday service, just a wonderful time. Wasn't it great? With all the kids coming out again and the young families and just a good group of people, good crowd coming out for church. The most people we've had in church since a year ago, since COVID started. So I was really pleased for that. And it really made a, a pastor's heart happy. And we are still doing things very safely at church, and uh, but just uh, getting a little bit more back to normal. Let me read um, from the start of chapter 11. By the way, the kids yesterday in church read the Palm Sunday story from Matthew, then I read it from John, and now this morning I'm going to start by reading the Palm Sunday story from uh, Mark chapter 11 and then go into the Monday story of the temple cleansing. So it's good to read the Palm Sunday story again as well. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and just as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, Why are you doing this? <clears throat> Excuse me. Tell them, The Lord needs it, and will send it back here shortly. They went and found a colt outside in the street, tied at a doorway. As they untied it, some people standing there asked, What are you doing, untying that colt? They answered as Jesus had told them to, and the people let them go. When they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks over it, he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, while others spread branches they had cut in the fields. Those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father, David. Hosanna in the highest. And that's a wonderful retelling of the entry of Jesus as he's coming into Jerusalem on that Sunday, that Sunday of Holy Week. And then verse 11 teaches us a little bit about the day-by-day -day history. It says, Jesus entered Jerusalem and went to the temple... He looked around at everything, but since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. In other words, he went back to Bethany uh, to stay overnight. And I think it's very interesting that in verse 11 it says the words, he looked around at everything. Uh, Mark did not have to include that line, but he did. Why? Because he was making a point that Jesus went into the temple, <clears throat> looked around at everything, and saw the horrific nature of what was going on. He was so floored, probably, um, so shocked, uh, he had to go home and think about it. 
right? Um, and uh, so he goes home probably to Lazarus's house who lived in Bethany. Uh, of course, his friend Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead, perhaps just a couple of weeks before. So now he goes back to Lazarus's house. And then we pick it up in verse 12. The next day, as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. Seeing in the distance a fig tree in leaf, he went to find out if it had any fruit. When he reached it, he found nothing but leaves, because it was not the season for figs. Then he said to the tree, May no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard him say it. Now, I ask myself the question, why did Jesus give us this parable? In a sense, it's a parable. It's a parable lived out. Um, well, we know for sure later on in the chapter that he uses it as a teaching point for uh, faith and prayer, right? That he was able to have enough faith to pray um, the curse upon the tree and, um, and that it would never have fruit again. So that's one aspect of it. And then another aspect many theologians have surmised is that it was a parable of Israel, that um, uh, there was apparent fruit or apparent life in the tree, right? Because it had leaves on it, new leaves, even early leaves, because this wasn't yet the time for figs, but this one had early leaves. And you would expect if there's early leaves, there would be some early fruit. Well, in this case, there wasn't. And so the idea was that there's apparent uh, life, but not true life, right? That in the nation of Israel, it was just a shell of a religion. And there wasn't true personal relationship with the Lord any longer. And of course, we're going to see that to be true in just a, in the next few verses. The sacrificial system of the temple had become stale and had become meaningless as we read on in verse 13. I'm sorry, in verses 15 through 18. On reaching Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple area and began driving out those who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves and would not allow anyone to carry merchandise through the temple courts. And as he taught them, he said, Is it not written, My house will be called a house of prayer for all nations? But you have made it a den of robbers. The chief priests and the teachers of the law heard this and began looking for a way to kill him, for they feared him because the whole crowd was amazed at his teaching. Imagine with me the shock um, of what just happened here in this. Sometimes we read through the story like just very quickly and we forget that this really happened and that this really would have been um, an entirely tumultuous moment for the Passover feast and for the people of Israel. Three groups especially that it really would have affected. First of all, uh, what about those money changers and merchants? I mean, they were just kind of, they were in, in their culture doing what um, people around them were expecting to do in, in a sense. And yes, they were greedy, but they were also part of a culture. And so they thought they were doing the right thing. And uh, imagine, uh, being a money changer. And why were the money changers and the merchants there? Well, of course, the money changers were changing money, were exchanging money from foreigners who were coming into Jerusalem, and they wanted to use their foreign currency to be used at the temple. They had a system where they you couldn't use foreign currency, you had to use temple currency. And so uh, they would exchange the money, how nice of them, but of course, at exorbitant rates, presumably, because of the greed. And then the merchants who were selling the um, 
the, the sacrificial animals, the doves and the lambs, etc., so that the foreigners could bring their money, get the money exchanged, then use the temple money at another booth and buy their sacrifice and take their sacrifice up to the temple. Well, again, presumably the, um, uh, the animals were being sold at too high of a rate. The problem wasn't that there was actually money being changed or that the, money, the, the animals were being sold. That wasn't the problem. The problem was they were being ripped off and, and the rates were, were, were too high. And it was literally highway robbery, right? I mean, taking advantage of the travelers. And so imagine the money changers and the merchants um, and their shock at what Jesus was doing. And then imagine also the shock of the religious leaders, right? Uh, the Pharisees and, and, and what have you, those in the Sanhedrin, the priests, etc. Imagine their shock as they um, saw all this suddenly taking place. Kahori and I are reading a really great Easter story uh, called Amon's Adventures. And it's a children's book, um, but like a family book. And uh, it goes along with the, uh, the Christmas stories, Jotham's journey and, and Tabitha's travels, etc., as I've mentioned before. And this story, Amon's Adventure, as we were reading yesterday, the Palm Sunday chapter, um, uh, then into Monday, talked about uh, this scene of Jesus turning over the, the tables and, and, uh, and just wreaking havoc on this whole, on this whole situation. And it really makes it more vivid in your mind what was going on that day. And so just imagine being there, whether you're the, the money changers and the merchants or the religious leaders. And then lastly, think about this. Think about Jesus' disciples, right? They'd been, they'd been with him for three years and Jesus was teaching and talking about love and healing people and whatnot. Uh, uh, but now he comes into the temple and it, it's just like he explodes, right, with this righteous anger. And think about um, the worry and the fear that the disciples would have gone through because this is, they know that Jesus could be arrested and tried and perhaps even killed just for this, right? Um, and indeed, what we see, uh, of course, with those religious leaders in verse 18 is that they did want to kill him right, after seeing this. Well, they already wanted to kill him, but now they really want to kill him. Just, just imagine uh, being in any one of those three groups of people. And then I kind of wonder, too, I scratch my head and I think, after all of this, Jesus just walks away. We, we don't know, we don't have the verses that talk about how Jesus actually got away and didn't get arrested, right, right here. He should have gotten arrested. Anyone, anyone doing anything like this in the temple would have gotten immediately arrested by the temple guards. So how did Jesus get away this time? I don't know, only by the providence of God. Somehow he slipped out and he got away. Why did he do it? I can only imagine, as I said, when Jesus went home the night before, after looking at all of this on Sunday night and then going home to Lazarus's house and, and I'm not going to say stewing on it or brooding on it, but doubt if Jesus brooded on anything, but uh, he was thinking about it, and he was upset about it. And so when he came back Monday morning, you know he had a plan to do this. He'd been thinking about it all night. Uh, I can just imagine, because this is Jesus' Father's house, right? And it was being desecrated and defiled. And then, of course, he says in verse 17, My house will be called a house of prayer, for all nations, 
but you have made it into a den of robbers. I love that line. My house, my father's house shall be a, a house of prayer. And really our church should be that way too. It should be a house of prayer, a place where people can come and meet with God and commune with God uh, on a regular basis. Well, uh, there's a picture here I think that we really need to take notice of. And the, the applicational picture, of course, is that our own hearts needs, need that cleansing sometimes from Jesus. Um, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, are we not? That's what Paul teaches us in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, if you'd like to turn there. <clears throat> 1 Corinthians 6.18 says, Flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a man commits are outside his body, but he who sins sexually sins against his own body. And then verse 19, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. Our bodies are now the temple of the Holy Spirit. This is where God lives on earth in the, in, in, in the persons of believers, in the personhood of believers. And, um, and so maybe there's something that needs to be cleansed out of this temple this week. As we enter into Holy Week, this is a good thing for us to think about. What is it in your heart that maybe needs to be cleansed, uh, cleansed out right now? Maybe it's a habit. This is a good time to cleanse out some of those bad habits that you have that are unrighteous and ungodly, or an attitude that you need to confess. Maybe it's a sin attitude towards another person, or a sin attitude towards a situation, or towards a work environment situation for you. Maybe it's a relationship that needs to be mended through confession. Maybe it's a, a recommitment to God of some kind, even as we were talking about yesterday in the church service. What a perfect time to recommit ourselves once again uh, to the Lord and to His, to His work on earth. Uh, we know from 1 John 1, 9 that if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Right? This is the cleansing that Jesus wants to do in our hearts. It's not just about Jesus cleansing the other people. right? It's about Jesus cleansing you and me as well. We ought to be open to that in our humility before Him because He wants, he wants to grow us. right? He wants to change us from within. He, lo he loves you just the way you are today, but much too much to let you stay that way. right? And so may this Monday morning be a great start to a holy week in, in, in which we invite God in to cleanse our hearts and make us the people that He wants us to be for His use, productive in His kingdom. Heavenly Father, do cleanse us, we pray. Lord, may we look at this story and realize once again that Jesus is the righteous one, we are not. Jesus is the holy one, we are not. Have your way with us, Jesus and cleanse us of our sin, we pray. Lord, point it out into our hearts, convict us, help us not to be blind to our own uh, devices, blind to our own sin, Lord. We give ourselves to you once again on this day. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. I love you all. Have a great beginning to this super holy week uh, that we're going to experience now, Monday through Sunday.
We'll see you tomorrow. Talk to you later.